Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Wind Up, a Pitch podcast, where I, your host, Aaron Thompson, will take you through everything that happened on the week's latest episode of Pitch on Fox. All right, we're back with Jenny and the Padres after her first win in episode two, The Interim. It's the first win by a female in Major League Baseball, and everyone is talking about it. It's the story taking over all sports media. Jen's sanity has taken over the world. And the Katie Nolan garbage time cameos in the show give me life. This one, she's saying the big strong men in the locker room don't like the pretty little girl getting all the attention. And she reminds everyone of the most important lessons of the fantastic movie A League of Their Own. There's no crying in baseball. So Amelia is right back to business. She's getting Jenny on Jimmy Kimmel. And she's still pushing her to be a brand. And Jenny just wants to be a ball player. And let's just say being the one of, like, being one of the guys doesn't really go hand in hand with Jenny Baker's clubhouse decorating tips. But, you know, Amelia's an agent, so she's doing what she does. She uh, wants to get her out there. She wants to make Jenny Baker a household name and not just a pitcher for the Padres. So, uh... Jenny wants to take the bus instead of a private car to be one of the guys, and it triggers this Elliot commentary that I love. It's uh, Tim Joe is proving to be like the small bit of comic relief that I need <laughs> because so many points of this show are so dramatic and they have my emotions all over the place that I need little moments of happiness and laughter. <laughs> So um, Tim Jones plays Elliot. He comes in talking about the movie that he loves just one of the guys from the 80s where the main character has to take her shirt off at the end to prove she's a girl and it's the first time Elliot saw boobs and the whole time he's talking about this movie, Jenny and Amelia just have this look on their faces like, what in the world are you talking about and why are you telling us about this? And he's like, okay, I'll uh, shut up now, sorry. So the reporters are waiting outside the locker room, and it's been two hours since the game ended. And that is when we get flashback number one of the episode. Now, um, this pretty much sets the precedent that we're probably going to get a lot of flashbacks in the show. And so far, the way they're doing it, I don't mind it too much. But I know that flashbacks in shows can get really repetitive and just bog down everything. So... So far, I like how they've been doing the flashbacks. Or at at the most, I just don't mind it. And this one, uh, Jenny's in the Miners in San Antonio. And it starts off Amelia's origin story when it comes to Jenny. And the first bit, all I could think was, why are you wearing heels, Amelia? You are walking through all this mud and heels and then I was just extremely impressed by Allie Larder's ability to walk through mud and heels. Because, like, it's a struggle for me to not fall over walking on a completely flat floor. Like, sometimes even in Converse, I trip over myself and it's ridiculous. And, like, Amelia just looks super out of place. She's, like, there in her heels, her power suit... And everyone else is in tennis shoes, flip-flops, t-shirts, sleeveless shirts. And she's going through their tailgating area and she just does not look like she belongs there. And then it shows her watching the game and she's cheering. Jenny got another strike out and everything. She looks around and only sees like two girls with signs for Jenny. And it's a huge difference from what we saw in the pilot where like every girl has a picture or a sign They want a picture with Jenny, they want Jenny's autograph, and it's such a vast difference from San Antonio to San Diego, sorry. It's just that huge difference that, like, people are lining up in San Diego on travel days just to get pictures with Jenny, and she shows up in San Antonio two years ago. And there's only two girls with signs. 
and we finally see Will again. The last time we saw him, he was a kid getting slapped by his dad. And he's all grown up now, and he's played by BJ Britt. And let me just say, I was super excited to see BJ on my screen again. Like, I fell in love with him on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And my heart just broke when Agent Triplet died. Spoiler alert, if some of you have not watched that show or if you're behind, it happened a while ago. I was just like, why'd you have to kick the obelisk, Trip? Why? Daisy was gonna be fine. You didn't have to do it. You could have lived. So BJ's here as Will Baker and he's reminding Jenny that she's the boss when her catcher's calling for the wrong pitches and she should call him off when he's wrong. Because she's just like, oh, he's been calling the horrible games and everything. So he's like, then you're the pitcher. Call him off. And then enter Amelia Slater. Now, we know she's Jenny's present-day agent. And she meets flashback agent, Jenny's brother, Will. So I automatically start thinking the worst. I think that poor BJ is going to die again in some show. And... I could not handle another Baker dying in pitch. I was like, I was already emotional over Bill dying because I love Mike Beach too. And I thought he was going to be in the show a little bit longer, but uh, that didn't really work out. So I was thinking something horrible is going to happen. Will's going to die. I was like, no, don't let Will be dead. But um it's super clear that Will cares a lot about Jenny and wants to protect her. Like, one, just the fact that they're siblings, and two, he tells Amelia he's with the stay the hell away from my little sister and company. But just from what we've seen in the pilot, we know Amelia isn't the type of person to just give up. So she talks him into letting her buy them a beer, saying it'll be the most important beer of their life. And back to the present day, we have Mike Lawson... And he's soaking in a cold tub after the game. And it's like one of those old school cold tubs. So super cold. And he's already in recovery mode. And getting another bu bucket of ice dumped on him. And I'm just going and tell everyone. Ice baths suck. Like they suck so much. I can't even count the times I had to soak in an ice bath. Between all the ankle injuries. Knee injuries. A sprinkling of like shoulder injuries, wrist injuries. Like, I only played competitive sports for about four years total in between middle and high school because oh, I stopped playing baseball when I was a younger and then started back up in middle school with volleyball, basketball, and softball. And it was just like injury after injury after injury. So ice bath after ice bath after ice bath. And um, they suck so much. So a mid-30-year-old catcher, I don't even want to imagine how many ice baths Mike Lawson has had to take in his life. So after giving him another generous bucket of ice, the trainer asked the pretty serious question, like, your knees aren't getting any better. They're just going to get worse. When are you just going to bite the bullet and move to first? And I was not expecting this good of a comeback so fast. And um, it's like, when are you going to move to first? So after I get to first with your mom. And it makes sense that he'd be that fast to come back. With all the years he spent in the sport, no telling how long he's been told he should move to first with how bad his knees are. The trainer goes off. Now, here comes Al for the first time this episode. He's like, my team is broken. I got pitchers swinging at center fielders. And he's talking about the fight that Tommy and Blip got in in the last episode. And uh, he's got a girl getting dressed in the closet, a pissy owner, and psoriasis on his elbows. So his solution is that he's going to fix the psoriasis, and it's Mike's job to fix everything else. And like when you think about it, it might actually be the best decision because uh, generally teams will respond more to their captains than their coach. A lot of coaches have the tendency to like talk down on their players while captains are one of your peers. Like They're in the same thing that you are. And uh, I know the season I played basketball, uh, my captain called the shots. Like, one might have been because my coach didn't really know anything about basketball. 
but uh, we were playing this game and like every time we inbounded the ball like she would get double teamed there's nobody pass it to her so she was like whenever you inbound the ball to me stay with me don't run down the court to your position i was like okay i'll stay with you i'll stay about five ten feet away and we put together some plays and got some points but our coach was like no run to your position run to your position and we were just like you can't do that i'm gonna listen to my captain my captain knows what is going on we're out here on the court like fighting this team so like the captain relationship with the players is in my opinion so much more important than a coach relationship with the players and uh like, I just feel like captains have so much more to give than coaches in most senses. Like, coaches, for the most part, will have more uh, knowledge about the sport and, like, the inner workings of everything. But the captains are in the trenches with you. <laughs> and before Al leaves, he asks how Mike is saying they're better than ever. And you can tell by the look on Al's face. He knows Mike is lying. But a player like Mike Lawson, he wants a legacy. He's going to put his body on the line to get it. Like he'll get a knee re replacement. He he'll get a knee replacement. He'll get a hip replacement. Surgeries, like, whatever. He wants his legacy. And one of my favorite parts is next with some of the team, with Jenny in the bar. And by some of the team, I it's about six guys. And she's really trying to just be one of the guys. And at least this small part of the team is getting along with her. Or some of them are just intrigued by her. And one of them just wants to know what her deal with men is. Like, is she a nun? Is she a lesbian? And he loses a bet when she says, no, sorry to disappoint you. And that leads to, have you ever hooked up with another player? And it's probably been on some of their minds since Tommy said he bets that she's hooked up with Blip before when they played together. And Jenny's response, oh my god. The more she went on, the more I was just thinking, how hard are you about to play these boys, Jenny? I mean, she was starting to go in, getting a little sensual, pulling everyone into what she was saying, except Blip, because they played before. And before, <laughs> she's just like pulling them in. And they're, like, getting real interested. They all give their attention to Jenny. And she's like, you must be out of your mind. I do not hook up with players. And there's another garbage talk segment with Katie Nolan coming up in the bar. And I feel for Jenny so hard when one of the guys just gets up and leaves because he doesn't want to hear about how Jenny is the star of the Padres, basically. So she gets up to get drinks for everybody and bribes the bartender to change the channel. And it's another one talking about Jenny. So she's like, okay, um, one more time. Changes again. And it's a news story. And it's about uh, a female track athlete in Florida that used one of the men's empty locker rooms while the women's was under re renovations. And she was assaulted by one of the male track athletes that caused the assault a misunderstanding between friends. And, like, I hate that last channel. I don't hate them for reporting on the assault and on the rape. I hate the fact that assaults like this have become so commonplace in the real world, like, that me and you live in, that they have to be put on a mainstream television show like Pitch to show people, like, what's wrong with it and to teach a lesson. And we don't get a lot of details about the case in the show, but a lot of people connect it to the Brock Turner case and the complete just failure of the justice system that that was. And I just don't get why so many people in the world feel the need to do something like that. Like, if people just stopped being douchebags and cared about other people, the world would be a lot better off. And the anchor on that show is talking about the case, and then it automatically shifts to, I wonder what Jenny Baker would think being in a locker room full of men. And Jenny's face just, like, sinks a little bit. And Mike just comes up and unplugs the TV, pays the bartender for us night, and he's like, okay, shots. And Jenny cheers up some. 
and we get the return of Evelyn, who I love so much in this episode. I I just love Evelyn in general, and I was so glad that she was in this episode a lot because I loved her in the pilot. And first, she's just really proud of Jenny, saying like, "Hey, you! I heard you went over some guys at the bar," and she's like, "Yeah, I lost some too." But she's like, "It's a process. Just do you, do what you're doing." And then one of the best side stories of this episode comes up with Blip and his slump buster. Is I love this because baseball players are so superstitious. Like there's all kinds of stuff, like wearing the same underwear without washing it until a winning streak is over, wearing two different socks, wearing the same hat every single game, eating the same thing before every start, pitchers not touching the foul line coming on or leaving the field. Just a lot of weird stuff. And Blip's superstition is that when he's playing bad, he needs his Grandmaster Flash t-shirt. It can't be washed, and it has to smell like Evelyn's mother's cooking, or it will lose its magic powers, and he won't make the All-Star team. And then one of Evelyn's lines reminded me of Frozone and his wife in The Incredibles from Pixar, where he's trying to find a super stew to go fight for the greater good, and his wife says, I am your wife! I am the greatest good you are ever gonna get! And Evelyn tells Blip, the only all-star team that matters is hers, and he's already the leading folk getter there. So it's sweet that he is the number one in her life, but it's also like, don't worry about Ball, okay? You have your wife. She's more important. And on the bus, like, I feel for Jenny again, because some of the guys are putting bags and seats next to them so she won't sit there, but... A small part of me is happy for it because she it has her sitting with Mike and is building that pitcher-catcher relationship more. And Mike is not really happy about all the times Jenny called him off during the game last night. So that shows she's come a long way from San Antonio not calling her catcher off in the minors off until her brother was like, you can do that, you're the boss, you're the pitcher. But it's almost like she's scared to throw her fastballs because she knows they top out at 87. But Mike is more in the mindset of, look, I know what I'm doing. I've been doing it a long time. You should trust my calls because I trust your pitches. And back at Petco, there's the meeting about the shortlist to replace Al with Oscar and the owner Frank, uh, played by Bob Balaban. Now, Oscar's top pick to replace Al really quickly is another old guy, and Frank doesn't want that. He wants a young guy, new blood, drive the team in a way he doesn't think an old guy can. He even said that he hired Oscar, like, not just because of he's good as his, uh, just because he's good at his job, but, um, he looks like a Spanish Superman, and Oscar's only response to that is, I'm Mexican. So we start to see the kind of relationship Oscar has with Al. Because the skipper bought him his first suit. He's the godfather to his daughter. He really doesn't want to have to fire him because he's almost like family. And Frank tells him that's why he doesn't get close to the people he works with. Because when you're that invested in someone's life and they've done so much for you, you're never going to want to fire them. Or anything that would negatively affect them. So Frank gives Al the rest of the season... And that made me so happy as a viewer after seeing him really embrace Jenny as one of his new players and one of his pitchers in the last episode. And then literally right after that, my heart broke a little. Because <laughs> we're back on the bus and the MLB network is showing a clip from two years before of Al in the dugout saying he hopes Jenny makes it to the team because she's easy on the eyes and he's sure the guys would love to have her in the locker room. And Al is pretty oblivious as to what's going on around him right now on the bus. Because half the team has put their headphones on, they hear what he says, and uh, they're just like staring daggers at him in the front. And he's just like, what? And like, I was on Al's side, I wanted him to stay around so much, and then that happened. Then you've got to think, okay, well, that was two years ago. He's grown since then. Like, just last night, he embraced Jenny as one of his own. Like, he, she's one of the Padres now. 
And so Oscar's on damage control, talking with Jenny. It's like, there's a PR problem. And she's almost automatically, you want me to make a statement supporting Al. And he's pretty quick to say, like, we aren't forcing you to. But if you want to, and Amelia steps in. She's like, you cannot get into gender politics right now. Like, why do you, are you going to support a misogynistic and made comments about your looks? And Jenny is just all about trying to be one of the guys. Like, she's in the middle of this media storm. And she is Jen Sanity. And she just wants to be one of the guys. She wants to play ball. But Amelia is trying to protect her. She's trying to grow the Jenny Baker brand. And Jenny's like, it's my life. And Amelia's real quick to remind her that it's not just Jenny's life anymore. It's both of their lives, and it has been since they met in Texas. And we get the uh, other half, or not other half, but another part of the flashback with uh, Jenny and Will. They're talking about how they've been living out their dad's dream since he passed away. Jenny did it by herself for a while until Will flunked out. He tried to make it seem like he was, like, it was all in his hands and everything. And Jenny's real quick to say, you flunked out. And he joined her, became her agent, and Amelia kind of gives him a pat on the back. Like, he had a good idea convincing the team to do, like, a ladies' night to get little girls to go to the game. And then, like, almost immediately turns right around and tells him that the endorsement deal he made with this sporting equipment place is a stupid idea and orders another round of beer. She's like, okay, now the fun part of the meeting, basically. And back in LA in present day, Jenny's already in the gym way before anyone else comes in, working twice as hard because she has biology working against her. And Mike Lawson comes in having to work harder than the other guys because he's a 36-year-old catcher with bad knees. And right off the bat, it's pretty much a competition between the two. Like, Mike is not willing to let Jenny best him in anything. He's always matching her increases on the treadmill. And then when she finally walks away to get some water, he takes a knee, like, resting his head on his hand. And he's wiped out. Because Jenny is, what, 13 years younger than he is. And she is a machine. And he does not want to fall behind. So he's like taking a minute or not even a minute, taking a few seconds to just relax. And then right when she's back in view, he's like, nope, doing burpees. I didn't rest doing burpees all day because <laughs> it's like he can't let Jenny see that he's he might be a little weak or tired or not as tough as she is. And after her workout, we meet Rachel Patrick, who is the anchor from the show talking about the rape case from earlier. She wants Jenny on the show to talk about the case, but Jenny doesn't think it's in her best interest. Like, none of the guys want to sit next to her on the bus. Al could lose his job just because she's on the team because of a comment he made two years ago. And Rachel tries to argue, like, because Jenny is a woman and, like, a female athlete, she has a responsibility to talk about it. And because the track athlete was in Jenny's shoes, and, like, Jenny does not like that. It's like, no one is in her shoes, and Rachel is wrong for trying to put it on her like that. So she's just like, call my agent next time you want to book me. She can tell you no to if you're mad at me, like, line forms on the left. And then she just, like, leaves. And I was just sitting there watching. I was like, why can't Jenny just play ball? That's all she wants. She just wants to play baseball, wants to make her dad proud. Like, just one game, let her be a normal baseball player, please. In the pregame in the locker room, Blip is almost ready to fight again because they're taking shots at Jenny, playing girls just want to have fun instead of whatever other music they would normally play to get ready. And there's another scene with Al, and I want to love Al so much. I want him to be the old man that changes for the better, like, becomes a mentor or something to Jenny. I start out being kind of indifferent to starting to like him, then moving to disliking him after the misogynistic comments, and he goes in Jenny's curtained-off locker after she tells him she's decent. 
but he stays turned away and with his hat shielding her from his peripheral vision the whole time he's talking. And it starts out kind of clinical, like the top brass told him to apologize to Jenny for what he said and apologizing if he made her life harder. Which he did, because she's just there to play ball. She's not there to deal with her coach saying she's pretty and like all the media that comes around it. Then it gets personal when Al starts talking about his daughters. Like One's a doctor, smartest person he knows, and he also thinks she's beautiful. But doesn't think it's the most interesting thing about her, it's just a fact. And he seems genuinely sorry for what he said and how it affected Jenny and the team and everything. And it tick, like tipped me back over onto the pro-Al side. Then comes the mini-press conference. Like Al reads the statement saying he's sorry for what he said to anyone that may have offended, particularly Jenny. And none of the statement really resonates as being genuine, especially after he just talked with Jenny and it's like... I teared up at that because he's just, he knows deep down that it was wrong and Jenny is one of his players now and he wants to protect her and do the best he can. And he's like, okay, here's a statement. Like, it's probably something the GM Oscar typed up and was like, okay, you messed up. You need to read this to, to the reporters. Then he reads it and he's like, okay, it's over now. Is anybody got questions about baseball? Because, like, he's a baseball manager. Like, he'd rather answer questions just about baseball. Like, who's gonna be the pitcher if somebody gets hurt? Or, like, who's gonna start on second? Just normal things like that. And he gets questions like, so how broken is your team? And according to sources, Jenny's a distraction. And the, the next part hurt me so much. So I was so on Al's side. And then he says, if I can keep my trap shut, there won't be any distractions. Can we just go back to talking about how pretty the girl is? And Oscar's in the back and he just like hangs his head. And I'm just saying, Al, no. No, 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 no. Don't say things like that. Like, foot, meet mouth. And, like, zip it. Just don't say things about Jenny and how pretty she is. Like, yes, she's extremely beautiful. But do just don't. You're just making things worse, Al. And they lose the game with all the crap going on. And Jenny just wants Amelia to issue a statement supporting Al. She knows supporting him can help the team maybe stop it from falling apart. But Amelia stops Elliot from drafting a statement because she knows what's good for Jenny's career. Because that's what Amelia does. She manipulates things around to what needs to be put out at what times. And... It's like a statement right now is not good. At least in Amelia's eyes for Jenny's career. And back to Blip and Evelyn and his slump buster Grandmaster Flash t-shirt. Evelyn has to break the news that his barely even a t-shirt anymore disintegrated in the wash. And Blip is like super bummed. He's like, ah, oh, come on. Like... Because he's in a slump, he's like gone hitless however many games and he can't get out of it. So Evelyn helps him the only way a wife can, really, when she doesn't have his lucky magical slump buster t-shirt. But not before letting him and all of us viewers know that she has a thing for Mike Trout of the Los Angeles Angels. <laughs> and for those of you that don't know him, look him up. He's not a bad looking dude. Oh, at a bar, Frank and Oscar meet up, and Frank lets him know that he's not going to hire a new coach until the end of the season. And Oscar's like, yes, thank you. I know Al can pull the team back together. That's when he shines. And Frank is like, Come, dude, you've got to let me finish my sentences. Al's done. Or I'm done with Al. And I'm just going to need the show to stop messing with my emotions when it comes to Al. Because I did not think I was going to care this much about an old man coaching a baseball team. So now Oscar has to find an interim coach by the end of the week. 
And if you don't already have people like in mind, that could be really tough. Because you're going to have to fire your head coach, like a guy that is godfather your kid and has done so much for his players and everything. So you're going to have to fire him and find someone to take his place. And it's just a hard position to try to imagine yourself in. So we get some more bonding time with Mike and Jenny at breakfast the next day. And Jenny's like, okay, Mike, I know what you want me to do. Keep my head down. Just keep going, whatever. And Mike is like, no, you shouldn't do that. You're in the middle of this gin sanity and there's nothing you can do about it. You might as well do something good with it. And Jenny finds out through Mike that she didn't release a statement like she had told Amelia she wanted to. And she's not happy about it. So she goes to take care of Amelia and the statement business. And Mike does what we would all do to our friend with a mountain of bacon. You take some of it because it's bacon and no one can say no to bacon. And while Amelia and Jenny are talking, Amelia reminds her that she didn't sign a ball player when she moved to Texas or when she showed up at Texas two years ago. Uh, and she goes back to the flashback. She lays out the flag that, uh, that uh, Will's endorsement deal for Jenny like wasn't that great for the long run. And the look on Will's face is like he's hurt and embarrassed when he she lays out everything because she's like, okay, in two years you can be in the pros, but you're exclusive to this random sporting goods store in Texas. And she's like, you can be like on all this stuff, like you could be a household name and you are exclusive to one store. And it's like, Will knows in that moment that he made a bad choice with that contract because it's a two year and then a third year optional. So it's going to be three years if she makes it to the majors in two, which she did. So Amelia has like gotten her out of this contract. Well, I assume she's gotten her out of this contract because she said she would and it doesn't show it in the flashbacks yet. So uh, she acknowledges with Will that he clearly wants what's best for Jenny and he clearly cares about her. But as Amelia put it, Will is in so far over his head that she can barely see him with all the marketing and selling of Jenny. And he's like, from my collegiate experience, I can definitely tell you that if you don't know what you're doing when it comes to things like that, it is super overwhelming. And it's like, I want Will to be in the present day things but I have a feeling that at least for the next four or five episodes that he won't show up really in the present day there might be another flashback with him but uh, I think present day Will is gone for now especially with uh, BJ and I've seen a lot of things where people are like oh there's a reason why uh, Will isn't in present day pitch is because he's on a reality show <laughs> and it's pictures from Unreal with BJ in the middle surrounded by women. And uh, the one that hurt my heart with the fan theory that why Will isn't around is because uh, he changed his name to Antoine Triplett and became an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then died. <laughs> but no more Baker deaths. Do you hear me, Pitch? No more Baker deaths. I cannot handle it. So, it uh, goes back to present day, and Oscar stops Buck. He's one of the pitching coaches, and he stops him in the elevator, and he's like, hey, uh, let's have dinner, and he's like, okay, uh, let me check with Al. He's like, uh, let's not invite Al. There's some things that we need to discuss, and the look on Buck's face paired with the shift in the score it tells you that Buck knows what's about to happen, or at least he has a feeling about it, and the viewer definitely knows what's about to happen. And then, plot twist! Mike is at his old place, going through his stuff for his ex-wife, and it's Rachel, the same woman 
from the show talking about the rape case. <laughs> and Mike wants her to take it easy on Jenny. Makes a speech about how his body's giving out. Like, this might be his last season. Maybe the next season will be his last. He misses her. He wants her back. And he, like, pours out his soul, almost. And she drops a bomb that she's engaged. And my heart broke again. And it turns out this show is breaking my heart in ways that I was not expecting it to when I first saw this trailer. I thought it was just going to be Jenny dealing with being the first woman pitcher. But I'm just like, I'm falling in love with the character Al and all the crap that he's going in. And the relationships in the show are so well written. And the actors portray them so well that I, I feel for everyone. And... I want to make them all a rainbow cake and just hug everyone. And um, back to other people that I have fallen in love with from the show. Blip and Evelyn, like, they are just relationship goals. If you've ever imagined one couple to be your relationship goals, get them out of your mind. The true relationship goals are Blip and Evelyn. Because you've seen all the cute pictures, like, this could be us, but, you know, insert whatever caption is relevant. Because, like, oh, this could be us, but McDonald's or whatever. <laughs> it's like, the one to end all of them should be, this could be us, but we're not blipping Evelyn. Because <laughs> Evelyn, she found the exact same Grandmaster Flash t-shirt from a 1982 concert in Philadelphia on eBay that Blip had. She drove to the seller's place to get it and then went by her mom's house to get pot roast so the shirt would smell like her cooking. That is like the definition of going above and beyond for someone. And right now, they are the ultimate relationship goals and no one can tell me any differently. Blep and Evelyn above any other couple on TV. Now, up next, we have a kind of half-and-half half thing with Jenny is at Jimmy Kimmel, and Mike is in the locker room with the guys. And Amelia calms Jenny down, telling her world leaders make fun of themselves on this show. It's like, don't do anything you don't feel comfortable with. Just be yourself. Jenny's like, okay, thanks. And immediately, I was... I felt like Luke Skywalker on a Millennium Falcon. I was just like, I have a bad feeling about this. I was thinking she was about to go off on someone before Amelia reminded Jenny why she hired her. And we go back to Texas. And like, overnight, Amelia has packed this stadium in San Antonio with news crews, little girls. Like, they all have these I'm next signs. And Will just looks confused. And after the game, he tells Jenny to sign with Amelia because she's made all these calls to all the news stations. Jenny's story is getting national attention. It's going viral. And Will just has no earthly idea how she did it. And, but like, that's what Amelia does. It's her job. It's what she's good at. And then I started getting more emotional again because Will's going to leave Jenny with Amelia. Like, Jenny is the most important woman in Will's life. But he knows that Amelia can make her the most important woman in the world. And he reminds her that she's the boss. Call Amelia out if you don't agree with something. And he tells her that dad would be proud of you. He wouldn't have said it, but he would have been proud. And the pilot episode shows us he probably would have just said his, we ain't done nothing yet. And maybe give that little smile at the end like he did in the pilot. But he wouldn't have said, oh, Jenny, I'm so proud of you. He's like, no, we can do more. And then Jenny and Will start crying and I started crying and in two weeks, this show has probably made me more emotional and cry more than any show has on TV in a few years. And Jenny takes the stage on Jimmy Kimmel. And the only thing I don't really like about this one scene is that 
it feels really forced with Jimmy and Jenny. Because I've watched Jimmy Kimmel a lot just, like, watching his show. And it's, like, super laid back. Or at least it feels super laid back when I watch it. And, like, they might have been trying to make it seem forced because it would have been Jenny's first talk show and... She wasn't really comfortable, but it just feels super forced. And I was like, I kind of felt uncomfortable watching it for a few seconds at the beginning. And it's like, they're doing everything. And then Jenny goes off book and she's like, they've already done the uh, slate for the Jenny Baker redecorator. And uh, she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't do the decorating thing and she's like I didn't want it to be weird whatever she is just letting everybody know she was still trying so hard to be one of the guys and she's like me just being here is a statement so she's like what the hell let's make a few more so she supports Al on the show saying people shouldn't care about what he said two years ago like she doesn't like he's apologized he's a good man he's a great manager and there's bigger things in the world to worry about. And she takes a minute to compose herself. It's like, you don't know if she really wants to talk about it or if she's just trying to figure out a way to say it. But she's like, things like the rape case in Florida. And it's like, she says something that people with common sense have been saying in real life about rape cases or like even things as simple as school dress codes that... Like, there are a lot of stories, like, girls have been sent home because, like, they were wearing a sleeveless shirt or they, uh, they didn't have shoulder straps or whatever on their shirt. And they're like, no, they're showing too much skin. You have to go home. It's distracting. And Jenny tells Jimmy and the audience and the world whenever the episode or whenever the taping of Jimmy Kimmel would air in the pitch world, that we don't need to make sure every girl goes in the right room. We need to make sure every boy knows it's wrong to rape. Like, that's just a common sense thing. Like, you do not force yourself upon another human being. You just don't. And for some reason, so many people in this world cannot get that through their head. And they keep doing horrible, despicable things to other people. And while Jenny is doing the taping, it's back and forth to the locker room. Almost another fight. And Mike is just tired of it. Like, he thought he might be able to get his wife back. And that has just gone up in flames. He knows he doesn't have that much longer left in the game. He still wants his legacy. <laughs> and he's like banging on the lockers. He's like, enough. I'm tired of this. I, all these years I've gave to this game. And you whiny kids. Or a bunch of bickering idiots. I think that's what he said. Uh, it's like, you're all I have to show for it. And he's like, Al could be fired any day. He takes the blame for every bad thing we do when we're playing hacky sack with a baseball. It's like, Al deals with it. He takes the heat, everything. Like, he does not let the players go through it. He's like, it's my fault. It's on me. And Al bought one of the guy's honeymoon pictures when his ex was trying to sell him to a tabloid. Because he didn't just stop her from selling him. He bought them himself. So the tabloids would never get them. So Al just, he protects his players and he always has. And Mike is tired of losing in front of sold out stadiums because Jenny's there. Jenny's drawing huge crowds, sold out stadiums almost every night, if not every night. And they're losing. And he gave his life to this sport. And he's like, how about we just work harder Stop losing. I'm tired of it. And he's giving his motivational speeches that apparently he's pretty good at. And he makes sure all the guys know that Jenny works a hell of a lot harder than all of them put together. 
And she's like, maybe we should all work as hard as she does. And maybe if you start acting like a team and playing together, then he'll be okay with the team being all he has. And he'll be glad to be a Padre again for however long his career has left. Now, it's all but confirmed now that Buck is the new interim coach when Oscar like shakes his hand before Buck goes in the manager's office and he tells Al they're going to fire him. But that conversation would have happened before Kimmel aired, so I'm hoping that they see Jenny talk about Al on the show and don't fire him because I've become emotionally invested in Al at this point. I do not want him to just, like, be there two, three episodes and then just disappear. I, won't, I want him to be in the Padres' life. I want him to be in Jenny's life. And I want him to guide Jenny through the majors, in a sense. But, uh, after the game, Jenny just straight up tells Amelia she's going to talk when she wants to, who she, to who she wants to, and there's nothing Amelia could do about it because she's the boss. And after two years of knowing Amelia, like she finally asked her why a movie agent like goes to South Texas to sign a baseball player. And we get a flashback of Amelia before she goes to Texas. So it predates the other flashbacks that have been in the episode. She's with her husband in doctor's office saying they can afford another round of IVF. And for everybody that doesn't know the acronym right for that, it's in vitro fertilization. And he's just saying he's done. But he's not just done trying to have a baby. He's done with Amelia. He's done with their life together. Done with their marriage. Done with everything having to do with her. And she like, gets up, doesn't say anything. He's like, what, you're not gonna say anything? She's like, you just destroyed my life in two sentences. I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction of seeing me cry. And she just leaves. And the meeting at her firm, she just looks dead inside. And they're talking about a prequel to a prequel of the X-Men movies. So it would be, like, before Days of Future Past. He's like, what would they be, like, four years old? And other ridiculous things like, oh, who did the Rugrats movie? And through the glass panes of the office room, she sees a clip of Jenny on TV. And it's like a spark goes off in her and she just stands up. She's like, I quit. And she walks out of the office room and Elliot is there with like a bag of like goldfish or Cheez-Its. And he's like, I'm going with you. And just walks out with her. And she's watching Jenny on the TV. And then it comes back to the present day. And she's like, um, I came to Texas because you needed me. And finally, there's a couple of guys from the team getting along with Jenny well enough to dance with her at the bar. And Mike leaves. He's like, he's 36 years old. He's not going to want to dance at the bar. He'll have a beer or two and then just, like, peace out. And he leaves and he sees Amelia sitting by herself at, like, a more sophisticated bar, I would say. In what looks like the hotel lobby. So, Mike, instead of going up to his room, he goes and he just sits by Amelia. Doesn't say anything. They just sit next to each other and she closes the laptop and you see her take a sip of her wine or like at least grab for her wine. And like, that's it. They're sitting together and the episode's over. So there's a few things to look at for next week and like other weeks down the road. It's like, does Al actually get fired? Or does Jenny's appearance on Jimmy Kimmel save his job? The, is Al getting bumped down to another coaching position and not the manager? The, uh, I've become so invested in Al. I did not want to become invested in Al. But it's like, I see something in his face and in his eyes where I want him to be around. 
and something else to look forward to and try to figure out is like, uh, does the team, uh, does the team finally come together again? Do they start playing like a team outside of this one game at the end? Because at the end, they win their game. They're all happy playing like a team after Mike's inspirational speech. But is it a one and done kind of deal? Or are they actually going to start working harder, playing harder, and winning? And is there the possibility of a romance between Mike and Amelia? I'm glad that it's not looking like it'll be Mike and Jenny. Because I like that working professional pitcher-catcher relationship. And I don't feel like it needs to be a romantic one with them. But I am all for Mike and Amelia. It might get complicated with Amelia being Jenny's agent, but like work-wise with pitcher catcher and then catcher and then agent, like I don't see that much of a professional problem with that as I do with pitcher and catcher. So like do they get on with something? Do they not? Do they just become friends? Do they talk to each other because they're both up there in age? Because Mike said that he was tired of being a life coach to all these 23-year-olds so, or all these young men. So, like, maybe Mike just wants someone his own age to talk to and relate to. So, uh, those are a few things that I'm looking forward to next week and the weeks after. But maybe the most important thing for me that we get to see next week is Shamir Anderson. He's in the show. And I can guarantee that Shamir Anderson and Pitch is going to be a lot different than how a lot of people have seen him as Agent Dolls in Winona Earp. But I love Shamir, and I have a feeling that, well, I think right now he's only signed in to do one episode. Uh, he might do another one or two down the road, but uh, I have a feeling he won't with Winona getting a second season. And... I would assume they're going to start filming soonish, but uh, I'm really happy to see Shamir be in pitch, and uh, I want to see what he's going to do with this character that he's got. And upcoming, uh, Lindsay Fonseca, another one of one of my favorite actresses from Nikita. Uh, she's going to be, I think, in episode six. I'm looking forward to that too. So uh, a lot of things to deal with to think about uh hopefully jenny will just get to be a regular ball player one day and that has been this week's episode of the wind up you can follow me aaron thompson on twitter at a tiny spark 22 you can follow pitch at pitch on fox be sure to tune in every thursday night at 9 8 central when the new episode airs and any episodes you've missed you can catch them on fox.tv slash watch pitch and be sure to subscribe to the wind up for the next episode